And we are back in action. Happy New Year, my man. How are we doing? I'm doing not too bad, man. Not too bad. Long time no see. How are you? I mean, this is it. It's New Year, new venue, new everything. I mean, obviously, That's... work in progress at the minute, but we're getting there. We're making movements. Also, yeah. everyone, so I've got a better internet connection now, so hopefully better quality calls as well. We move. We move. Good. Good. So, regards of where to take this, we've got a lot to catch up on regards of, you know, events past and present. Yeah. So, Let's have a quick little recap. So, regards to Cage Warriors, the, the trilogy just gone. Yep. Not going too much in depth for the matches themselves. One of the questions I had in the poll up on Instagram was sort of predictions for matchups. Was there anyone yes. you'd expect to see outside of things that have been announced? Um, to be honest, I'm not quite up to date on what's been announced yet. Um, I would expect to see probably Sam Creasy. I don't know if he's been announced yet or whether he's got a fight coming up or not yet. I would expect to see him after his result against Adam um, going for the title fight. Uh, that's something I'd expect. Uh, the only thing I've really seen is is your man Jordan. Um, obviously, he's got now his title fight. Uh, that's the only sort of like um, announcement I've really seen at the moment. So this is where it gets quite interesting. So in that out of itself, with them cage warriors regards to the trilogy in itself, you can almost gauge who's going to fight who next based on their kind of rankings as such. And obviously the winners of X, A and C, you know, yeah. fight, you know, B and D and this and the other. Yeah, so obviously with um, Paul Hughes and um, Jordan, the winner of that was like the number one contender spot. Naturally for that number one contender does what? Gets a title fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's how these things tend to pan out. So interestingly enough, so with Sam Creasy and Jake Hadley, so they yeah. train together quite regularly and everything else. So it depends on how Sam can compartmentalize that in itself. Because again, he is, I've got his own career. He's got his own, you yeah. know, he's got his family to feed. He's got to earn his money. But in the same yes. breath, this is his friend. He's got to compete against then do that. So from an outside perspective, obviously it's a sport. You've got to treat it like a sport and crack on with it. But you know, He's got his own morals and morality, so we'll see how he um, manages all that. But it's an interesting sort of scenario because otherwise he puts himself in that, gets a bit stuck, really. Um, so, interestingly enough, I saw on Instagram yesterday, Luke Shanks calling out Adam Amasinga, so they've really fought amateur. Okay. So it'd be an interesting one to see how that sort of pans out in itself because, again, if you watch Luke's fight against Jake Hadley, you see the motions got the better of him and the way he fought wasn't the way he could fight. Yeah, And, Adam, and when Adam against Sam... I think that was one of the better Adams we've seen mm -hmm. in regards of how they sort of stars will clash now. Again, this is a, a, a fair while since they last fought. So it's interesting to see how that pans out. Any initial mm. thoughts on that kind of matchup? No, I like that matchup. It's, it's good because like you just said, you know, it was kind of like one, two, three and four, you know, one and two, four, three and four, four. And then like you say, it just it's, it's pyramid effect. It, it goes up. Um, so obviously with them two both having the losses, then then fight each other again. Um, no, I like it. I like the matchup. Um, again, going back to what you said about um, Luke's sort of game plan, I mean, we touched on this sort of like, you know, before the fight and after the fight and stuff like that. I, I really think he had the wrong game plan um, for that fight. Really? Uh, <laughs> 25 minutes but, of it, really. <laughs> but yeah, but obviously, you know, he had the wrong game plan for that fight. And But I do see it, you know, Adam Amasinger having the same kind of game plan as Hadley did. So, you know, he's going to have to think, okay, right, I can't go in, you know, the same way I did with that fight because look what happened. And, you know, I, I would say that Adam would go for a very, you know, wrestling heavy game plan against him again, seeing how, um, how 
you know, not easy, but, you know, how Hadley sort of like controlled it quite easy in the end sort of thing um, with that. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see how he comes back from, from that defeat, knowing that he's got to really sort of like have one or two different game plans in his back pocket for a fight and not just go in with one game plan. And when that doesn't work, then, you know, struggle to kind of switch it up. And with the emotions, like you say, you know, he, he kind of got a little bit over the top, I think, you know, all the back and forth on the internet and, and all that sort of thing. You know, it was funny and it was good. And, you know, he got some good, good, good digs in there and stuff, but I don't think it helped him in the fight at all. Um, so I'd like to see him maybe step back from trying to be the Conor McGregor and, and, you know, just concentrate on the actual fight rather than, you know, going full on the internet and that type of thing. I mean, that's a huge thing in itself, because again, if you take into account, I think the wording there is very specific. So Jake had, Luke wanted to fight, Hadley wanted to yep. win. Very different yes. things. Luke, Luke didn't go there to get taken down. He went in there to try and, you know, knock his head off. Which, yep. if you've got frustration, if you've got bad blood, if you want to, you know, hurt someone, you don't grapple fuck them. You try and hurt them. And in the same breath, is my connected still? What's happened here? Um, yeah, I can still see you. You've just froze. Okay, no worries. Yeah. That's to say, with, um, however, regards of who Luke would fight at a title stage, anyone else, he'd be more collected. Like, see how he fought Sam Fadine. Yeah, he would fight, fight a bit more like that, a bit more calculated, a bit more intentional, but yeah. again, a bit more methodical. If nothing else, a little less emotionally invested. I think mean, that's where a lot of it went wrong. Yeah. And obviously, with him, Sam coming up, Sam stopping Adam the way he did, it'd be interesting to see how Adam gets regards to that sort of composure. Because again, as much as Sam's got a very long, sort of open sort of style, it's a bit more. How do I explain it? So, Sam is very technical. It's very linear. It's very sort of straight. It's very clean and technical. Whereas yes. Luke's got a bit of unorthodox kind of, I don't know, offbeat kind of striking as such intentionally, yeah. which does really yeah, well for him. So again, it's how he, yeah, a bit wild, but intentionally wild. Because again, it's hard to get that across without sounding. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because again, with, um, so for anyone listening who's not overly familiar with what we're talking about. So when it comes to watching standard striking, I don't know, boxing, kickboxing, whatever else. It's very crisp, very much like, okay, same ex full extension, this, that, and the other. You know, the sort of, to do what you'd expect good technique to look like. Whereas in MMA, because of the clinching element and everything else, people are used to separating the disciplines as they are. So throwing things a bit unorthodox, a bit intentionally not clean and technical. Yep. You can catch people off beat and off rhythm and get more effective clinching sort of thing off as well. So again, it's, so it's very interesting how you can apply that same sort of style. But moving on from that, another interesting matchup will be um, Will Curry against Christian Duncan. Because mm -hmm. those guys are both prelim fighters and both coming off of... um. Well, Will Curry got his unanimous decision win. Uh, absolutely dominate the guy. And Christian Duncan, that was his second trilogy fight. I think the first one was the second round KO after getting wobbled in the first round, I think. And recently he got a spinning hook kick or something. You know, like if you were to play like a UFC game or something, you think, okay, yeah. if this is how my guy is overpowered, he's going to do some fancy spinning kick. He's going to finish the guy straight away because I've got all the sliders up. It was like that. <laughs> but okay, this is just a bit... <laughs> it looked a bit, a bit too easy. But it makes sense regards to them building each other up. It yeah, makes yeah. sense the two guys who had like, who looked dominant on the prelims to fight each other to then get to the main card spots and get a bit more sort of status in itself. Yeah. Regards of where do you sit with prelims and main card value as such? Do you see a lot in that in itself? Is it reputation? Is it 
quality. What, what do you see with that sort of divide in itself? Yeah, it's, mm, that's a tough one because, you know, especially nowadays, we've, we'll, we'll take it to the UFC sort of thing and then I'll bring it back to Cage Warriors. With the UFC now, um, obviously, the, you know, the lower end of the card is people that they kind of just brought in or, you know, debuts and stuff like that. But then they always now put a really good sort of like main-ish kind of fight. You know, somebody that could, you know, they, they could main card on a, on, a, on a fight night event or something like that. But they always put it at the top of the prelims now before the main card starts. So you do get, you, you get a little bit, oh, what he's on the prelims, this guy, you know, he should be main events and stuff. So you kind of have to, the UFC have kind of started doing it a little bit, of, a little different. Whereas something like Cage Warriors, they kind of do it in the old fashioned kind of way or, you say the old-fashioned kind of way, but mm. the way where it's kind of like, okay, you've got your, your debuts at the bottom and then you've got people that have had, you know, two or three fights and then people that have had four or five fights but kind of got a bit of a name for themselves and then maybe working up to the main card sort of thing like that. That's kind of the way sort of Cage Warriors do it. So I think there is a there is a sort of, like you said, you know, having a little bit of a name for yourself can get you onto that sort of main card a little bit more. And especially going back to sort of when shows, even, even you know, kind of lower than, than Cage Warriors, when shows had people, the locals would be the ones that were kind of on the main card, the sort of ticket sellers and stuff. But that obviously kind of takes it, you know, the, the world we're in right now, it kind of takes that away from it. So I think you do have to have a little bit of a name to get yourself up onto the main card. And especially with the main card now having sort of like, you know, the exposure they do where it's like um, on the UFC fight pass and stuff like that, you kind of have a little bit of a name to try and push onto that main card now, especially with Cage Warriors. Yeah, so with a lot of people who aren't familiar with the sort of setup with this, the nature of a card in itself is obviously a list of fighters in fighting and they're all fighting in. I said yep. fight like four times in, but it's fine. So <laughs> the idea with having the more reputable people at the end of it is to get people there for the whole show. Because again, if they're on straight away, people leave early, people miss the fights leading up to it. So interestingly enough, if I'm right in saying this, I feel like it's a part one and part two of the same card than it is. This is the prelim. This is the main event. Like this is the big yeah. spectacle. And it makes sense doing that way because instead of booking ending it, I was thinking, okay, the best fights here at the start or the end. It's okay. There's a section here. There's decent. There's a section there. There's decent and so on and so forth. And it makes sense for general retention because again, like as much as it's very valuable seeing people you recognize fight, how many times have you watched a card thinking, who the fuck's this? <laughs> like, and they just come out of nowhere and absolutely just do something amazing. Like, even if it's not people you aren't familiar with the stuff, like the prelims, like there's a lot of names I can't pronounce who've really impressed me. If only I can remember who they were. It's one of those, you know what I mean? You get like from sort of Eastern European, like, impeccable wrestling, some sort of dominant grappling or just ridiculous striking. And again, it's the untouched sort of gems and such. So I like kind of the prelims. We break to our card breakdowns in itself. Now, regards of general progression, a bit, bit further in the cage risk side of things. So Joe McCorgan. So he had five years with Mehdi Ben Lakhdar in 2019. He recently just fought, stopped Kieran Lister. Kieran Lister, very respected. I think he's nine and one before that, eight and one. Uh, he had eight wins in a draw, I think, and he lost to Joe. Now, regards of where Joe is now, he lost to Mason Jones. Now comes back, beats Kieran Lister. And now I'm going to say he has a rematch with Mehdi, who just beat Steve McIntosh as a title eliminator to then fight... Either Aggie, Aggie, Wolverine, the guy who wins, who has a current title, or he fights Jack Grant for the title, for the title contention spot. And if he fights Jack Grant, it's going to be such a sick fight. And it'd be interesting to see that because I'm half expecting like a Jai Herbert, Jack Grant kind of performance. Someone a bit more, I don't know, traditional, a bit more 
I don't know, very crisp fundamentals versus mm-hmm. someone who's got a very varied skill set. That absolute sort of precision, sort of, I don't know. I'd be interested to see how that sort of st- uh, matches up. Any thoughts on that kind of, um, I don't know, the lightweight division itself and cage warriors? You know, I think you got it pretty much spot on. I think either way, it's going to be a good fight for him to step up and obviously like take on for the title or or, or a Jack Grant fight. Um, coming back to Jack Grant, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes from now. Because obviously, you know, he's had a couple of bites of the apple now, you know. Um, he's had a couple of title fights, came up short in a couple of them. Again, I think it's another one of them where I think his game plan was a little bit off in the last fight. He kind of wanted to prove himself as a striker and I think he should have grappled and mixed it in a lot more, you know, 50-50 sort of thing. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Because we know he's got the talent. We know he's got, you know, he's got everything, all the attributes there is to be a Cage Warriors world champion and to push on past it. But um, I just think he's, he's, you know, it's just a few little tweaks and I think he'll be there. So it's going to be interesting to see how he now comes back from this this last defeat. So it's going to be interesting. Well, this is an interesting concept in itself as to wanting to win versus wanting to have a certain statement of this, that, and the other. This is where the external factors get very concerning. So Tyron Woodley was a bit of a victim to this, but from the other side of things where he'd want to win, but he'd get so much stick from the outside or, you know, boring to watch, this, that, and the other thing. And well, he's still winning though. Because whereas yeah. you see the people like Jack Grant, again, you, we've seen his grappling. Yeah. The question is, why don't you just wrestle fuck him and take him down and, just, you know, just... Make it an easy night in the office for you. Well, easier. But in the same breath, if he's landing flashy stuff, he's getting these highlight reel sort of exchanges. Is that not worth more for his stock than it is uh, name on a record? I mean, if you land, if you have a go, to, yeah, you go to a decision, you lose. But in that fight, you land these spinning shots, submission attempts, all this kind of stuff. Your stock goes up, arguably. Like, what do you sort of think to that? Yes and no. So you've got to be winning the fights. To, it depends where you want to go in your career. You know, we've spoke about this before. You know, if Jack Grant's happy, you know, having some amazing fights on Cage Warriors, which is always going to be on the main card, it's always going to be, you know, a, a good attraction for Cage Warriors. Um, but again, it depends on where he wants to go in his career. If he's happy where he is, then yes, you know, put on them interesting, uh, them exciting fights, you know, try and land the spinning stuff, try and get the highlight knockouts or highlight real, you know, kind of like clips for Cage Warriors and stuff like that. But if he does that and then he falls short like he did in the title fight and he does lose a decision um, because the game plan wasn't quite right, yeah, he's going to say on Cage Warriors, no problem. Next fight, he can, you know, do some spinning stuff and it'll be really cool. And he's always, like I say, he's always going to be, you know, a main guy on Cage Warriors. But if he wants to get to the UFC, that's no good for him. He needs, he needs the, the, you know, the ticks in the wing column. So, you know, unfortunately, UFC don't always look at your highlight reel, you know, they look on Sherdog, you know, you've won 12, you've lost one. Okay, cool. Or they're not going to look and go, right, you've, you've won eight and lost five, but then four you lost. You could have won. It was a, it was a just close decision, but you had some amazing mm-hmm. highlights. They're not going to do that. They're just going to look on Sherdog and see that you've won 12 and lost one, you know, and your last five fights have been all wins. They, they're not even really going to look if it's going to be a decision or not. They're just looking for that. That, that tick in the wing column. So, you know, it's all right wanting them kind of highlights and stuff, but you want to get to the main show. And if the Cage Warriors is the main show for you, no problem, do that. But if you want to get to the UFC, you've got to get to the UFC before you start doing that. I like that a lot. 
And it's interesting the way you're sort of describing that, because again, as much as I'm seeing it from a someone who knows the individual and you can yeah. appreciate what you know, because say if you see someone with a mixed record, you think, oh no, they're a savage, they've done this, that, and the other. Oh yeah, they've got negative record, but who have they fought? That sort of, that extra, not benefit the doubt, but understanding of the bigger picture. Whereas if someone sees them as an independent and thinking, okay, he's a pro fighter, he's a featherweight, he's, I don't know, five and three. I think, oh, okay. Or he's, you know, nine and nine. Think, oh shit. Because mm. again, yeah. they don't, they don't have to give a shit beyond that point. They don't have to, they've, whatever they've got, they've got to then sell it to someone else to then say, let's sign them up. If they can't build that case off of this, I mean, it's, this is what it comes down to because as much as it's fighting everything else, it's also a business. And again, it's that sort of self-employment. Well, you've got to yep. sell yourself as a product at the end of the day. As much as you need to, you know, fight to win, be very like, methodical and everything else, you are ultimately are a product and a brand and everything else. And yep. the bigger show you can get on via getting the wins, getting the results, that's what it's got to be. On the lightweight conversation, though, Yes. Let me throw in a little Scouse wildcard in the form of um, Paddy Pimlin. So he's been off since March. So he had um, the win against, it wasn't Decky, what's his name? Not Decky McAleen and Decky Dalton. Is it yeah, Decky Dalton? Yeah. So he gets the win on last minute, didn't notice thing. Decky stepped up last minute, yeah. Mm. So now where does Paddy come? Because again, he's had injuries, he's had pullouts, this, that, and the other. Does he fight Jack Grant? Does he fight Joe McColgan? Does he fight someone to earn that spot back up? Has he still got the same star power? Because again, without the um, crowd, as much as he didn't seem to be phased by it in the um, March show, it makes you wonder, has it got the same value? Has it got the same sort of star power in that sense though? Because again, being part of the atmosphere, being part of the whole thing, when the music goes, everything else. You know what it's like as well being these sort of live shows. It's all yeah. and good being a fan from your sofa, but being there in the actual stands watching it, different atmosphere, different entirely. Be different. So where do you think Paddy goes next? Yeah. Um, so Paddy. He's he's a big star for Cage Warriors. Like you said, when there's a crowd there. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how this works because as far as a name in the UK, you know, he's still a big star. We all know who he is. I know who he is. You know who he is. Most of the people that are involved in MMA and, and support MMA and watch Cage Warriors will know who Paddy Pimlet is, okay? But he's a massive, massive star when it comes to ticket sales and especially fighting in, you know, the Liverpool Echo Arena and places like that. I've, I've been to, I've been cage side when Paddy's fought um, at the Echo Arena, you know, a couple of years, a couple of years ago now. It's obviously a couple of years ago um, with, uh, with everything that's happened. It definitely wasn't the last year and a half. Uh, <clears throat> but you know he, he's a huge huge star when it comes to ticket sales he gets a massive crowd he's got a big following especially obviously around Liverpool so without that crowd it is a little bit more of a is he going to sell is he going to you know get the crowd watching UFC fight pass is he big enough to you know sort of sell you know fight pass you know um, monthly subscriptions and stuff so yeah, I don't know but then again how many cage warriors fans that would go to the arena are going to pay a monthly subscription for Fight Pass to watch Cage Warriors as well. That's another, that's another, you know, that's another question we can sort of ask people. As far as he is with the lightweight, where, where he slots in, he's got a, he's got a slot in there with, you know, Jack Grant and, and all them people because 
he, he was such a star. And, you know, he's the ex, was he featherweight champion, obviously, you know, mm. he's fought, you know, you know, three, four, five title fights, you know, like you said, he's always been sort of main event or at least co-main event, you know, and that sort of thing. So, you know, he's still a star for Cage Warriors, um, a little bit of a different kind of star now, obviously, without the, the selling of tickets and with, without filling arenas and stuff. Um, but he's, he's still got a fight up there at the top of the card. I can't see them bringing him back and fighting a kind of, you know, you know somebody that we don't really know. And um, I don't really see them giving him a, a warm-up fight. He's got to slot back in there. I know he's had injuries and I know he's, you know, he's had some time away, but I still think, even Paddy Pimlet himself, though, the kind of character he is, I don't see him going, yeah, I want to fight somebody that nobody really knows, just give me a warm-up. You know, he's still going to be wanting to, to get back to that title sort of contention. Now, especially in a new weight class as well, he's going to be right, okay, I've had my, I've had my time at featherweight, you know, I've done, I won the world title, you know, um, you know, I've done what I can do at featherweight, now I'm in lightweight, I'm going to stay at lightweight now, I'm, I want to start pushing towards that title fight, title um, shot and <clears throat> title championships. So I think he's going to want to take on somebody like a Jack Grant that's already fought for the title and he's up there in the, the top echelon of the of the weight division. I mean, this is kind of it, because you're trying to sign your name on that permanent main card spot. I mean, it's gives and takes away. But again, if he accepts that how he wants, wants it to be, that I am always going to be main card, if I've got to fight people who are worth being on the main card with me. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And again, this is all part of the same sort of star power. And it's interesting the way you sort of specified that and how the conversion as such and how you can sort of do this from a business perspective. Because again, if you sell tickets, I know this money has come directly from you selling those tickets. If someone has a Fight Pass subscription for an upcoming event, you don't know if it's on a local boy sort of, you know, trying to get his like friends and family watching it, or it's yep. just someone who wants to buy fights. You know, there's no direct sort of conversion to appreciate where that's coming from. So again, that side of the value sort of gets lost quite a lot. And pay-per-views and everything else, even then, like it's very much for the card itself if there was an option to sort of say, oh, I'm buying this to support so-and-so, that can just get a bit bugged. That's not really trackable properly. But yeah, even no, not really. it's one of those sort of things. It's an interesting one from a, more the business side of things. Mm. Now, just to sort of wrap things up with Cage Warriors, there's some interesting sort of middleweights and everything else. Because again, we get the welterweights mixing as well. We've got Ian Gary, you've got Matthias Frederick, middleweight champ, Jamie yeah. Young. So this is an interesting thing in itself. So Jamie Richardson against Matthias Frederick. Jamie fought very smartly, very well for that fight. Again, got caught. But again, it wasn't... He didn't look out of place. He looked really well. No. Yep. Um, a lot of respect for him posting the knockout on his own socials. Again, a lot of humility, a lot of time for that. Now, you also have upcoming star Ian Gary. He's doing really well at welterweight. Now, the reason I'm saying about both of these is because Jamie has fought at welterweight and now has moved up to middleweight. I think... Seeing those two, maybe even a catch weight at 80 or something like that would be quite a nice one. Because someone who, because Jamie's a tweener anyway, he would look nice at catch weight. I'd perfect for him. Or get down to featherweight if you can. Oh, featherweight. God, he <laughs> got a leg off. Yeah, well, cool. yeah. <laughs> yeah, him fighting um, Ian Gary would be a really cool fight. Yeah. I think that'd be spot on. I think that'd be a nice sort of tester one anyway. Because then, again, as much as you want to get on the hype train of Ian Gary and give him a title shot straight away, or maybe it's Adam Proctor or someone like that you still want to build these people up a bit further and a bit further and a bit further thinking you want people to ask why he hasn't got it, not ha why has he got it? These sort yeah, of title yeah. shots. Like, regards of these sort of prospects, like, how much more do you reckon we should test Ian Gary before he gets a title shot? 
Um, I, I like the idea, and the matchup would be, you know, a great matchup. I, I agree with you there. The only downside I see to it is he's finding somebody that's not in his division. And like you say, you know, he's he, a prospect right now. Um, you don't want to see him pushed all the way up to the title fight just yet. You want him to take maybe one or two more fights before. And like you say, you know, after one fight, people might be going, well, you know, he, he could be next. You know, at the minute he's like, if you got it, you'd be like, oh, it might be a bit too soon. If he wins one more big good fight, you know, you got people saying, yeah, he could be next. If he has another fight before the title fight, then he's like, oh, he should be next. And that's where you want to be, where you should be next. Or why hasn't he got the title fight yet? So, you know, an another one or two good wins would be great for him. Um, and as much as, like you say, the Richardson fight would be awesome, but he would have to go up a weight class. So that kind of takes him away from his division. And I'm always a little bit sceptical about if you want that title in your division, going out of your division to beat somebody, even though it is a good win and it'd be a good name on your record, you're then coming back to your division and then people are going, but you haven't beat this person in the division. You haven't beat this, you know, the, the one or two people that are above you. So I, I, me personally, if, if obviously the belt's his, his goal, again, it all comes down to goals and what people want, uh, which I reckon he probably does want the belt. And that's sort of like the, the sort of end goal. Most of the people in Cage Warriors that are around that sort of like top five, top 10, the, the, their goal is obviously to, to win the Cage Warriors title and then probably to go on to the UFC. That's the general sort of progression, you know, especially with the UK-based fighters these days. Um, so I'm guessing his progression is, you know, I want that belt, I want that Cage Warriors belt, and then I would say I'm the best, you know, fighter in Europe at this weight class. Give me, give me a shot at the UFC. That's 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 generally progression. So I'm, I'm guessing that's what, he, what what's in his mind and where where he wants sees himself going as far as career. So I would say, you know, maybe one or two more fights and then take on for the title. That's where I'd, I'd probably prefer him to see if that's his his goal in sort of like his career. It definitely makes sense. I like the way you're sort of wording that as well, because again, very much he wants to be the welterweight champion. Him going up a weight or even Jamie coming down, which is not really his division anymore. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense regards to his progression there. So regards of options, I feel it'd be like Madras Familias because he just beat Mickey Stan Mickey Stanton at welterweight. Yeah. And again, so again, some experience, someone who's been in there quite a bit. Yeah. Seeing those two for title eliminator, interesting one, solid test. But I wouldn't write the Jamie Richardson's fight off full stop. I feel that. Yeah. Beats um, he fights um, Flaminus, gets that, then fights I don't know Proctor for the welterweight title, gets that, and then catch weight sort of fight against Jamie Richardson, <laughs> maybe champ champ against the tires probably wouldn't go that probably get a champ probably get a, a catch weight bout or something like that just sort of move up make a, a statement almost or a title defense, yeah. maybe that's the point. Beats um Flaminus, beats Proctor, gets a title title defense against Jamie Richardson at seventy seven. That would be nice. Let's see how Richardson, obviously, you're talking about Richardson, obviously, quite a bit in this. Mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be interesting to see where he goes. Like you say, he's a bit of an in-betweener. You know, he's gone up to 85. He didn't look out of place. You know, he mm -hmm. looked a little bit small, like he could have, you know, lost a little bit more weight or, or maybe put a little bit more size on. So it really depends on what he wants to do body-wise at the moment. You know, obviously he was maybe struggling with the cut a little bit to get down to 77, which is why he decided to go up. But I see him, you know, he had a little bit of something that he could have lost, you know, body-wise. Um, but, you know, he still looked great at 85, you know, and like you say, he, he didn't look out of place. He got he got caught with a, a great shot. Um, 
So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes from this. Does he now think, okay, 85 was maybe a little bit too big for me? Because like I say, he's a bit of an in-betweener, like you say, a bit of a tweener. Um, so is 85 a little bit too much? Could he maybe change a little bit of lifestyle to lose that extra bit to make the cut down to 77 a little bit easier? So it's, it's an interesting one to see where he goes from here as well. But like you say, you know, you know, a couple of fights, maybe, like I say, maybe he gives it himself a little bit of time to change his lifestyle and maybe comes back down to 77 a little bit healthier and a little bit less of a cut. And then, yeah, like you say, you know, a couple of wins for... for um, for the title and then you know you he goes down and he sees where he's at with the waterways I meant to say these sort of tests are very important to see how they sort of i don't know deal with different, different situations themselves and cage warriors are very interesting at the minute now we'll get on to the last bit before we move on from this is yeah. versus charrier so this is a huge fight for so many reasons so for anyone who isn't familiar with morgan charrier the last pirate is his name He's yep. been around for a while. So he's had an interesting test against Simon Back, Dean Truman, a few other sort of guys in itself. But again, it's the way he sort of developed and sort of earned his stripes as such. Uh, where it's interesting to really see that come out because pay dividends. If you watch his fight against Perry Goodwin, Perry is one of these guys who's hard as nails, always wants to scrap. Then he's a martial artist. So for someone with that kind of mindset to be that kind of defensive and that sort of cautious it's very unsettling <laughs> so that in itself got to give you got to give a lot of um appreciation for that kind of like, i don't know potential honestly and then you have jordan so for people who don't know jordan so he's my training partner i say training partner i'm his punch bag a training partner's <laughs> a bit too nice i think but, it was. <laughs> but this is he's one of these people so when you start training Normally, you're acting in different ways. And often, more often than not, you'll be, okay, I need to climb this ladder. I need to, you know, take my steps, take my time. He's one of these people who's always challenging, you know, the top guy in the gym to try and get the number one spot. Always, 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 always. And throughout, like, his gyms and he's been around, he's had a bit of um, falling out with some people who haven't, I don't know, like being on the wrong end of that. <laughs> but this is what happens when you're with someone who doesn't, take the status quo as, as that's as final someone who's yeah. like, okay this is he's the best guy you haven't got a chance against him all right and then fucking goes through him mm. like his his whole career so far he's had tough fights yeah like panikos yusef shy abusive not related funny enough rashid has again these sort of people again common day common day steve amable and paul hughes are his cage warriors fights not any of those are like even <laughs> like stylistically they're all horrible matchups anyway but again jordan never like turned it down never like you know shrugged his shoulders never thought you know this is but this is the detail with this the reason i'm going this much detail with from the jordan side of things is sharia has earned his stripes he's got respect from everyone including jordan jordan knows who he is and respects it however he doesn't let that get in the way he's not one of, he's not a person who over respects people he acknowledges it, but he cracks on with it. And he knows what he's capable of. So that kind of balance, you get this, I don't know, the unstoppable force of Jordan and movable object of Charrier. And this is why this fight gets really interesting. And stylistically, they're very similar. So this yep. is where it's going to be absolute chaos. Have you got any thoughts on the fight itself? It's going to be a cracker. Absolutely great fight. Um, you know, featherweight division is always 
going to be one of my favourite divisions to watch just because that's where I did most of my career as well. Um, so, I, you know, I, I love watching the featherweights and keeping an eye on them guys. Um, and like you said, both of these fighters are top-notch. Um, both of them could be in the UFC, no problem already. You know, so, you know, as far as being in Cage Warriors, I think it's an absolute brilliant matchup. Um, they're both very similar. I think Xavier maybe has a little bit more power than Jordan. Jordan probably works a little bit harder. Um, but, you know, both got amazing striking, um, both great in, in all areas, you know, wrestling and, and in the grappling as well. So I just think it's just going to be one of the top fights um, in the featherweight division for Cage Warriors, you know, of the year sort of thing. So I think it's going to be a great fight. I can't wait for it. I say I can't wait for it. I'm terrified. Um <laughs> So that's going to be the same day as my fight was meant to be. So now I'm free to watch that, you know, with all my main focus and, you know, my heart on my sleeve. Because if anyone's had the experience of watching your friend fight, it's so much worse than your own fight. <laughs> I hate it so much. Watching Paul Hughes, his fight against Paul Hughes, like, again, it was just sort of stunned silence, listening to the bias commentary and everything else, thinking, fuck, what's going to happen now? Same with Steve Amon, but same with, um, actually, I was there for the common day fight, but yeah, it's one of these where it's just horrible watching it. But again, He's got more composure than I do watching him. But this is sort of what you need. Um, now, we move on from Cage Warriors. There's a few things yep. to touch on. Um, we'll talk about a massive elephant in the room, Mr. Martin Ford himself. Are you familiar with Martin Ford? Mm, a little bit, not too much. So he's a big old boy, if anyone doesn't know. He's in the Fast and Furious films, I think. And he's making his, K his um, KSW debut. Now, if you have this six foot seven man, I think, six foot six... Heavyweight, so. he's a big old boy, covered in tattoos, sound as well, rest by sounds of things. Where do you start? How do you train an athletic heavyweight for a pro fight in a gym with people not always that size? Discuss. If, oof, discuss. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. It's it's so hard for the big guys um, in, in sort of gyms where there isn't big guys. You know, it's such a it's such a hard thing. You know, like if, if you look at places like ATT, you know, American Top Team, one of the biggest and most elite teams in the whole world. You know, everybody who's sort of involved in MMA knows who ATT is. Okay, and 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 if you if you listen to how they kind of structure their training and stuff like that, there's not a lot of times where even sort of like in the lower divisions. We'll, we'll, we'll train with people outside of their, what, what you would say would there be their weight bracket. You know, sort of like, you know, flyweights train with bantamweights and, and you know, bantamweights maybe with featherweights as well. Maybe those sort of three weights will train together. And then you might get some featherweights sort of train with lightweights and, and, and a couple of welterweights. And then you've got the like, let, it kind of goes in sort of like three weight classes and kind of, they kind of group mm. together and some of the bigger guys might train with the, you know, some of the smaller featherweights will train with the bantamweights and flyweights and sort of thing. And, and the bigger featherweights will train with the, the you sort of like lightweights and welterweights and stuff. But they don't really go with, with much more size with that. And then you have such a massive heavyweight. It's such a hard sort of thing to, to, to get the right kind of training partners for you. You know, and ATT being one of the biggest gyms in the world, it's, it's easy. They've got a million of every single weight class to train at. But, you know, you come, you come and train at any other sort of gym that isn't one of the, you know, big stables of, of, of MMA schools. And it's going to be so hard finding training partners. You've just kind of, kind of, you've got to remember that, you know, you, you are that big and you can't 
sort of put all your power into training with people that are sort of like middleweight and downwards, you know what I mean? And you, you got to try and maybe get, um, if, if it's asking other, other, other teams to let their heavyweights come over and train with you and, and, you know, kind of make your own camp, especially when you, you're looking to go pro and, and, and you need to get the right kind of people that you can throw a decent amount of power at. Because there's no point in just touch sparring and there's no point in, you know, you know, sparring with people, even hard sparring, but only at 75 percent, you know, 60, 75 percent around about that sort of area because they're smaller guys. You need to be able to throw a decent amount of power, um, especially when you're doing your hard sparring. So you'd need to get people to come in and, and, and sort of train that with you. Um, as far as technical sort of stuff, you can you work with the smaller guys when it comes to technical stuff, but. You need some big guys to throw 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 the big power to. I mean, this is the, the sort of key thing there again. It's sort of people to spar with and train with, and get that kind of resistance. Because again, like I'm fighting seventy sorry sixty six or seventy, and again, like I'm not gonna try and knock someone out. I don't know if I could have tried, but anyway, but that sort of thing. Like it doesn't really matter if I go hard with people my own sort of size or yeah. even a bit smaller to an extent. Because again, they're going to be all right most of the time. But again, you get someone that sort of size. Even pulling back on a jab, the good thing my head will come off. There's no, no two ways about yeah. it. So it's then find that kind of balance. And even then, like, it's getting the sort of habits, not necessarily the humbling as such, but again, you know, the sort of idea that, okay, someone a decent size smaller than me can, you know, manhandle me and this, that, and okay, jiu jitsu works. Nice one. But when you're, you know, six foot seven and next amount of 100 kilos, it's a bit like, okay, have fun trying to triangle that guy. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, uh, you've got to get the rice right size body shape as well because you know it's pointless like you say you you know you cross train if you go to some gyms that aren't getting rid of the, the big huge fucking you know massive gyms in america and stuff like that now um, and you go to any sort of gym in the uk and stuff like that you know you are going to end up cross training with different sort of like weights because there isn't you know a thousand heavyweights in this gym and a, a thousand middleweights and a thousand featherweights and stuff like that so but it, it in, in some ways, it is good to train with different body types, but around your weight class. Do you know what I mean? There's no point in you training with a massive heavyweight who's six foot six. You're never going to come across a six foot six guy that's going to have the kind of reach and the kind of power that he's going to have. Um, you, you just not, yeah, a featherweight. <laughs> exactly, that's what I mean. There's just no point in training with them kind of guys sometimes. Amazing to go, yeah, I had around with this guy who's heavyweight and he's six foot six and, you know, I landed some good shots on him, but then he jabbed me and I fucking fell over. It's just pointless, you know, it's just, and it defeats the object for him and you sometimes. You've got to kind of stay around your kind of, uh, you know, your, your kind of weight, like I say, category grouping um, to get the right kind of, of training for you and for him. So he's got to try to find people that are, you know, six foot plus, and, you know, big body shape, long arms. So, you know, the kind of people that he's going to be fighting against. He's not going to find somebody who's six foot six and weighs the same as him, obviously. But then again, in the heavyweight division, he's not always going to fight somebody who's six foot six and the same size as him. You know, look at Daniel Cormier. He's perfect. He's a, he's a heavyweight, but he's only, what, six foot? Mm, six foot. Yeah. He might not even be six foot. I think he might be, you know, five, five eleven. Nine or five ten or whatever. Yeah, yeah do you know, he, he's short, but he's got that big round barrel chest. So he needs to get used to fighting smaller people, fighting, you know, people that are a little bit long and stuff like that, like a Stefan Struve. So he's got to find the right kind of partners. And, and if he can't find them at his own gym, then he's got to obviously either travel himself or ask people to travel to him. 
And that's a huge thing in itself regards of how you can manage that. Because again, if you guys like Tom Aspinall, who are heavyweights, but are skilled heavyweights, who can, can sort of yeah. gauge their power, control things, like he spars with like everyone. And yeah. the fact he can spar with everyone is testament to his sort of skill and control. And again, this is something you have to learn because you've got to take into account. It's not even just being a bit unnecessarily clumsy as such as being a beginner still. I don't know how much experience he's had in martial arts prior to this, but you know yourself, like hitting pads like when you haven't trained before, it's awkward as whatever else. And again, imagine holding those pads <laughs> when you go and shoot yeah. your crash helmet thinking, okay, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Jab, boom, straight into the face. Your hand comes off. <laughs> shoulders all ah. that's the Americana from a jab it's one of these shoulders holding pads for him right now Jesus oh, that's a horrible thing anyway that's a nightmare for another day I think but that's an yeah. interesting one regards of taking someone from scratch in regards of main sort of focus again with that sort of size boxing wrestling has got to be the main priority because again if you take someone from some scratch as a hypothetical as standard like boxing wrestling and even jiu-jitsu to an extent, but even then it's just getting up and escapes. Yeah. Like you why would you Defend- bother showing like arm bars from the word go? Why would you bother with that? Like because mm. it's not even just the skill to understand how to do it, it's applying it under pressure. And to pressure test someone with that, like yeah, they might be able to do it, but realistically, you're more you're better off understanding controlling distance and standing back up, even just escaping in general. Like submissions yeah. will come and go like Guillotines, Rene Chuck's fairly instinctive, so intuitive, but again, that, that kind of thing is just learn how to either take down, not get taken down, and not get beaten up too much to damage control. Because again, if you start doing the intricacies, it gets too much. Like, I don't know. Like, what would you prioritize for, I don't know, Martin, for example, from the word go? For a complete beginner, obviously, you know, you've got to work the hands, um, try and see where he's at kick wise. Because kicks are very different thing, you know. You know, mm. boxing's everybody can box. Not that everybody's going to be a great boxer, but everybody can box. Everybody can throw a punch. Okay, um, it's very different to throwing a kick. Not everybody can throw a kick. It's a lot different with the mechanics, with the hips and the twisting and everything else. Um, so, you know, as a complete beginner, I would obviously, if if he was coming to me and he'd not done anything, he was like, right, I want to fight in six months. I'd be like, cool. We're going to do a lot more boxing. Like you said, we're going to do wrestling. We're going to try and get, if we can take you down and get a good position. So your top positions want to be quite solid. Um, we want to be able to get back up in case we get took down. So, you know, scooting back to the fence, wall walking, you know, the basic kind of, you know, getting up and going down. And then the defensive kind of jujitsu, like you say, you know, uh, damage limitation, sort of like being able to get my guard, hold on to him. And then maybe, you know, scoot myself back, shrimping back so I can get to the fence and then get back up. So that would be the kind of basics that I would I would go for. I would obviously still want him to do some kicking because, you know, the more the, the earlier he starts, the easier it's going to be and the, the, the quicker he's going to pick it up in the long run. But to start with, it would definitely be boxing, you know, wrestling takedowns, just basic takedowns, single leg, um, double leg, um, getting back up, wall walking, you know, fence sort of clinch work as well. Obviously, that sort of thing would be quite the, the basic sort of clinch work. And then, yeah, sort of like, you know, good good top position. So if you do get somebody down, being able to hold them in that position and, you know, defensive sort of defensive jujitsu from the bottom to help him then be able to get back up. That would be my kind of my, my basics to MMA um, if I had somebody from a complete beginner. Because this is the, I don't know, this is one of those sort of situations where it's so tricky with these high profile people. Because it's not only an MMA debut, 
it's a pro MMA debut. Now, that's always a bit, you know, it's one of those <laughs> ones. You kind of because uh, yeah. MMA in general, like if you do an amateur fight, you got bigger gloves. You're not going to get knee in the face or elbow to the face. That may not seem like the biggest change in the rules, but <laughs> it's a, you'll look at certain people after the fact and you'll know why is the difference. You know, remember amateur shows used to have it and it'd be like. I'm not going to name names, but you know, people with like life changing like injuries from a fight. I think you don't even get paid for that. No, <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Like all the knees, I don't know. I think the time spent cleaning the blood between rounds for these beginners, I think it's a bit, you know. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, this is kind of the point. So it's a bit like an alarm bell because when you're someone that high profile, you're not going to see them like a, I don't know about their own lack of choice of words. More of sort of, you have to see them on these bigger spectacle sort of shows. It becomes a bit of, I don't know, a bit of a sketchy one. Uh, regards, yeah. we're going to the next topic. Regards of UFC in itself, so we've got an interesting card in it coming up this weekend. So obviously we've got blessed. We got the return of McGregor. I tell you what, I just love seeing um, Max Holloway's son rush on the thing a lot more. He's just so likable. I love it. The pair of them. It's just so good. Yeah. If I go on the card, so obviously we've got Holloway Cater. Is it? Yeah. Yes. Let me get my uh, my card up as well. This is it. So again, if we break this down a little bit, as to say, there's quite a mix on here. But again, we'll go to the main card because that's one people are going to talk about in itself. So exactly. Joaquin Buckley comes back again. So Joaquin Buckley. So for anyone who doesn't know the name, you'll recognise the knockout, the catch, kick, and the spin in, turn in, whatever you want to call it. Well, I don't know, sort of yeah. obscure thing which hurt my boy Kasang and I, which you know, I forgive you for Joaquin. You're all good. <laughs> but as to, as to say, he's now coming back from that fight. So it's trying to, I don't know, establish a name beyond the hype. And it's a very, I don't know, you sort of build a rod for your own back as such. Because when it comes to having that sort of spectacle highlight knockout, it's, <laughs> you, how do I explain it? It's you, you've, re- you've reached the peak, then what? And what he would have been if he hadn't gotten a knockout. Well, so it's not, it's Put his name up there uh, with, you know, people are going to want to see him fight, you know, the the, the, the upper echelon now of, of, of fighters just because of that one, you know, amazing kick. And don't get me wrong, I think he's got the skills to back it up as well. But that's now through his name up there with people, you know what I mean, that maybe he, he would have been going up a little bit slower. Apologies, he fought um, Jordan Wright fairly recently as well. I forgot about that one. He was on the yeah. um, Figueredo card. That's to say, again, another finish in itself. But this is sort of the point. It's a number of things. Again, when you get this sort of the flash in the pan of, okay, you get this spectacular finish and you get this conversation of, wow, you've never seen that before. This guy's another level, everything else. Unless you can top that, expectation, everything else kind of, if, you, if you're lucky, it stagnates. If it doesn't like sort of decrease as such. So it's interesting seeing him being this active still because what you want to see. Because same with yeah. the Hamzat Shemayev conversation. Because him being yeah. out with COVID and then being delayed till March or whatever, it's getting pushed back and pushed back. Yeah. The longer he's away, the less his stock's going to be valuable. Because again, it was the frequency he fought. It was, you know, I fight anyone, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll fight five guys on the same night, I don't give a shit. I'll just fought two people on the way over here. Or whatever else, he's just non-stop. But to then have a layoff, he's like, okay, oh, who, <laughs> who the fuck's that guy? Yeah. That's to say, I've got another one. We've got um, good old Carlos Condit against Matt Brown. Absolute yeah, chaos. Absolute chaos. I can't wait. Yeah. 
that is a great fight. You know, both guys, they've been around for absolutely ages. They both bring it. They're both always in exciting fights. They're, they're very sort of similar stature as well. You know, they're, they're not the, the thick set kind of guy. They're quite slim, quite long. So the range will be sort of, sort of similar as well. They're just both very, very sort of similar fighters uh, and similar mentalities as well. They both just want to hurt people. You know, it's not necessarily they, they obviously always want to win, but their style of fighting is very sort of like, I want to cause damage. It's like the Matt Brown, that, that knockout against Diego Sanchez was just like, I want to fucking hurt you with this elbow. It's kind of like, line it up, line it up, line up, and then mm. whack. And, and you know, Carl Connors, the very, very sort of similar kind of guy, the way he fights is like, I want to hurt you. I want to throw them horrible elbows. I want to cut you open. So, so them two fighting each other, and especially at the sort of stage of career they are, is very sort of similar sort of stage as well. Carlos had a little bit more... Um, sort of like, um, I can't even think of the word. He was he was not a little bit better, but he had a little bit more success. That was it mm. um, in his career. You know, you know the interim UFC, WEC champion and stuff like that. But you know, I, I still believe they're both around the kind of same sort of level and at the same kind of level of their career as well, which is, it makes for an absolutely, you know, bomb burner. It's going to be a great fight. I mean, this is sort of what you, I don't know, you see quite a lot against that sort of level of experience. That's more... I don't know that their schedule of opponents as such is how they seem to sort of go. Because again, the caliber is still there. The trajectory is always there, but it's what yeah. you see and it's what you hear. Oh, they beat so-and-so. There were this many wins in a row. Again, stylistically, it's interesting. Because again, yeah. it's then seeing how they can improve from there onwards. This is what I keep saying. It's not about where you are, it's where you're going. And it's seeing how you can adapt to things and how you don't get stuck in the sort of, oh, oh I'm a veteran, I'm experienced. Stop believing their own hype too much and stop trying to develop. But no, this is where you'll see, I don't know, where they're at as such. Because again, against someone with a similar kind of conversation about like, oh, this guy is an upcomer, da, 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 da. he won't be in a... Again, I've got the experience over him. But have someone with a similar, if not if more experience. Yep. Is how you then sort of get composed with this. So now we have Max Holloway against Calvin Cater. So regards with Max, again, he's come off those decision losses to Volkanovski. He's for Ortega. Again, he's been about. And it's then seeing... I don't know where he's at because when you get that title shot and you come up short twice, it then makes you sort of question now what? Am I not there yet? Yes, you could say it's controversial. Yes, you could say, oh, maybe he won this, that, and the other. Again, it's, you say what you want. It's then seeing how you can then, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how Kate approached the event itself because I can't help but feel Max is not, not lose lose as such, but again, he's earning his way back to where he already was. Whereas Kate is still on the up, that sort of trajectory. What do you think of that matchup? I think it's an absolute great matchup. Um, just going back to the Max Holloway thing, you know, like you said, you know, he's fought Ortega and he's fought this and that. But if you actually look at his record, it is ridiculous. For the age years, I think he's he's 28 or 29 years old, and he's fought Aldo twice, Frankie Edgar, um, Ortega, you know, Volkanovski twice. You know, he, you know, McGregor, Justin Poirier, he's, he's literally four. He's one of them guys, he's, he's very much, a, he will fight anybody and kind of at any time as well. You know, he even stepped up obviously to fight Khabib mm. um, and then obviously that never, never actually happened. He was too heavy, wasn't he? What was it? <laughs> he, wasn't yeah, he, was too, cleared, he wasn't cleared he, to fight a weight division higher than he really is. 
Got the guy's from Hawaii. Come on, man. He he gets big out of fight camps. <laughs> you know, you see them Hawaii guys. They're, they're big. They're big old units. Um, but yeah, no, he's literally fought who's who, and he's always been at the top. You know, especially the last, you know, four five years since he won the title. I think mm-hmm. when he when he started. But he again, he, he's only 28, 29 years old. You know, he's still got a big career ahead of him. You know, and this is just kind of like. I personally feel this is just kind of like a little bit of a blimp in the road for him. I think he's going to get back up there and he's going to, I, I personally think he will win the title back. You know, the Volkanovski fights that like you say, you know, they very, were very close. Um, the second one could have gone either way, you know, split decision, uh, controversial people say, you know, it, it just depends on how you look at it. I haven't actually scored it myself personally. So I, I, I couldn't say, who actually won the fight. I just, you know, went with what, what the scorecard was read out, you know, and yes, it is two losses in a row, but two losses in a go against somebody who's Volkanovski. Again, yeah, the champion, you know, he is, and, and he's a deserved champion as well. It's not like he's an undeserved champion. He is a very, very fucking deserving champion. And he's going to be, he's one of the best featherweights in the world right now, you know, so it's not, he's, it hasn't ruined Holloway's stock at all, having them two fights. Um, and Cater, you know, an up-and-comer, um, he's, it's, it's, like you say, you know, so Max Holloway's been here for so many years now. You do wonder whether he's still got the fight in him. But at 28, 29 year old, I, I personally think he still has. He's still got some of his best years coming forward, whereas Cater's slowly up and up and up and up. And, he, you know, he's getting to the level where he, he should be challenging against, you know, the top five in the division to push for that title fight. So I think it's a great fight for both guys. Let's see what Max has still got in there. See if he's still got the fight in his heart. Cater, let's see what he's actually got when he comes up against one of the best ever featherweights. Because he is. Max Holloway right now, still with the two losses, I still think he's the best featherweight of all time at the moment. Just because of who he's fought, the way he's beat them, the way he beat Aldo twice. And, and, you, know, and you say Aldo twice and people think, oh yeah, but he was at the end of his career. He's not. He's like 32 years old, which is in his prime right now. So, you, you know what I mean? Like, he, he'd not been beaten for 10 years. and Holloway beat him twice in a row, you know? So, again, it's not he didn't fight Aldo when he was on the way out. He fought him at the peak of his career. Do you know what I mean? Just because he'd been champion for 10 years and been undefeated, that didn't mean anything. He was at the top and he fought Aldo when he was at the top. So, I think it's going to be an awesome fight. Um, I personally, I you know... Holloway is one of my my favourites as a fan. Um, always has been. Again, it's the division, featherweight division. It's always going to be close to my heart because I fought the featherweight myself. So that's one division that I, you know, I, I love to watch. And, and you know, Holloway being being who he was and the way he is. And you know, you mentioned Rush already. You know, he he's just got such a good vibe about him with his son, and just in general, he's got such a good vibe about him. I just I, I want Holloway to win. Whether he wins or not, I don't know. Cater's good. He's got them skills. He's got some some of the best boxing, you know, in the featherweight division. If not, some of the UFC, to be honest. His footwork's crisp. His hands are crisp. Um, he's got fight. He's got heavy hands as well for a featherweight. Um, he's definitely going to um, test Max's chin. Um, but it has been tested by by very big hitters in the past and, you know, you know stood up. No problem. He's got a, a granite chin. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting fight. And, and I could see it going either way. But I'm hoping that, that, that Max comes comes back with a bang and, and, and you know, 
and it gets the win. Leicester's you? best, we know that. Again, it's one of these ones because again, you see Cato against Ige and those sort of fights as well, the calibre he's capable of. And oh, again, like I said a few times now, yeah, Max was at the top of the mountain, now he's going back down. It's whether or not he undulates and goes back up again or he goes further down. But yeah. again, it's how he then handles it all, which keeps him in the conversation. Because again, if you're a flash in the pan and then you go off on a strop, you're not going to have the same. You're going to have a, a bigger fall from grace than you would have had your rise. But again, the way Max holds himself, the way he's outside of the cage. Like he said yeah. it after he lost to um, Dustin, that he's a champion outside of the cage, the way he handles himself. But that kind, that kind of mentality in itself as a whole is how you keep in the conversation. It's, it's everything. And this is the, the all-rounded champion. But again, it's an interesting one. It's because it's all going to get how nice you are, you know, on social media and how fun you are. But <laughs> got five fives to find out, you know, how nice you really are. So again, I want Bless to win. I'm going to go with Bless still. Um, so interestingly enough, we've got a triple header. So yes. that was the Saturday coming up. Now Wednesday. So we have a, a mixed bag with, um, I don't know. With, with the events we've got michael don't talk about my mom because uh <laughs> she's a i can't yeah. his name it's uh, neil magny <laughs> he's a he's a funny one in himself but the main man on this card is mr mason jones now if you want to talk about underrated mason jones on the ufc thing hasn't even got his picture on there no ten and oh, yeah i think that is just i don't know how i feel about that i feel a bit insulted but it's one of these I can't wait to see him because Mike Davis is no slouch either. Because again, the way Mason Jones, for anyone who doesn't know who he is, he was eight. How much was he? He's 10 and 0 now. Yeah. But with, within the cage warriors divisions in lightweight, he take on the best of the best he can get. He's always asking for harder fights. Again, I think all his wins outside of common day fight was um was finishes. And again, it's nice. having that kind of constant, I don't know, chasing harder and harder fights because he wants to keep fighting and get, getting a bit further and further and further. That keeps you in this conversation. That gets you in these conversations. So now he's fighting a guy called Mike, Mike Davis. Now, for yeah. those who don't know Mike Davis, he's fought Gilbert Burns. Again, he's fought high-profile guys. Eight and two, a very dangerous matchup, but again, a very appropriate matchup. Because again, because he's scheduled to fight Chico Chikatsi, who I keep calling Chicken Katsu Curry, which is a different thing entirely. <laughs> So again, he's got what he needs perfectly. It's a tough test on a big stage, but it's not yep. too tough a test and it's not too easy a test. It's, no. a, it's a step above him, which, as you know, if you want to climb anything, you have to go that bit step further. You can't go massively higher because you can't reach those steps, but perfect opportunity for him. And again, hopefully he'll be able to show what he's capable of because yes. in recent times, Cage Warriors guys hasn't or haven't always showed up because again, was that Jai Herbert and a few other ones haven't managed to give their I don't know show their show their value as such also on this card there's a few other little interesting ones oh uh, what can't think of how do you pronounce it obviously get um Lerone Murphy he came off a quite nice finish as well that was um the same card as Modesto I can't think which which one that was I think it was one of the early Fire Island ones is anyone on the card itself you're um excited for obviously Tom Breeze as well Custom. And we're back. A couple of technical issues there. So where were we? So obviously Chicken Katsu Curry was meant to fight um <laughs> our man. Was it Mike Davis who was gonna fight? I think it was. Yes. 
Uh, Mason Jones. Mason Jones, yeah. Mason Jones, Mike Davis, really exciting fight. Also on the card, we've got Tom Breeze, Ricky Simone. Again, interesting mix. Any initial thoughts? Again, obviously, you've got your fight against Neil Magny to look forward to. Oh, yeah, I know, right? Um, I'm interested in the Tom Breeze one, to be honest, because... All right, now my internet's going slow, but back. Tom Breeze is fighting Omari Ak- Akmedov. Bless you. Akmedov? Yeah, Omari yeah. Akmedov. Um, but he's ranked number 13. So for Tom Breeze now, he's got an opponent with a number next to him, which is an awesome fight for Tom Breeze. Um, you know, he, he's looked good in his last couple of fights. So I'm, I'm really interested to see where he goes from now because I, I think Tom Breeze has got everything he needs to, you know, crack into the UFC top 10. Um, so it's nice for him to see that he is, like we said, we, we just talked about Mason Jones, you know, you need to step up, but not too much because then it can be a bit of a, a downfall for you. So I think this, this fight for Tom Breeze is, is perfect. You know, he's got a number 13 next to his name. Hopefully Tom obviously gets the win. We all want him to get the win. Um, and then, you know, hopefully then he'll have a 13 next to his name after this fight, which would be perfect because then he can, at 13, he can ask for a top 10 guy next. So then again, it's just a couple of people each step up of the way. So hopefully uh, Tom Tom gets the win and, and it should be a good one. But that's that's, that's one I'm really looking forward to. I'd say because um, Tom Breeze recently had a win of <laughs> Keovara Jab as well. I mean, it is interesting yeah. seeing that kind of balance because again, he's still coaching at Renegade. So yeah. as much as he's got his own career, he's got all the other pros around him sort of building as well. Obviously got Leon Edwards, um, Aiden Lee, again, Jai Herbert, sport for choice. Maybe. Again, there's, there's so much going on. I mean, the card itself is pretty stacked. Yeah. Um, and obviously the Saturday we've got McNugget against Poirier. We've got Dan Hooker against Chandler. There's so much kicking off. So yeah. much. Amanda Rebos, so, Brad Tavar, yeah. Carly Roundtree. Some big, big fights coming up. Oh, I didn't know this is one. So, we've got Nick Lentz against Ivloyev. So, fun. This is a really interesting matchup, and I'll tell you why. So, Nick Lentz was initially meant to fight Mike Grundy. Mike yes. Grundy's team had to pull out. I think either either Mike had COVID or one of them got COVID. And oh, okay. So, with Mike in himself, absolutely heartbreaking experience. Because again, with yeah. with that in itself, it's out of his hands, and again, you. Was stuck, got stuck with that. So Mike lost to Ivloyev, and Ivloyev's wrestling was absolutely immaculate. And when you see the caliber of wrestling Mike's got, the the match itself, anyone who hasn't seen their fight, it's unbelievable. Is it gives wrestling a lot more? I don't know. It's very, a lot more marketable, and MMA wrestling as well it gives a lot more. Yeah, value to see that kind of execution. So to then take that spot directly against Nick Lentz is a is a funny one. And I think, regards for Nick Lentz's side of things, to have a very similar opponent makes very much it makes a lot more sense. Can we talk about last minute pullouts and how you manage that? Having an opponent with a very similar sort of style to the previous opponent, I mean, the spot on. Mm. Any initial thoughts on the card before we break down individual parts of it? Uh, no, just some just some fucking great fights coming up. Where did I see? Uh, quite interesting to the women's bantamweight. Division, uh, Julia Pena versus Sarah McMahon. I think that would be a great fight. Mm. Um, I'm always a fan of watching the women fight, and especially at the, the higher levels. Um, Julia Pena, obviously, she's a really good 
she gets a lot of the wins by jiu-jitsu, sort of like submissions, arm bars and bits and bobs like that. Very good off the back. Um, known as, as a very good jiu-jitsu practitioner, but jiu-jitsu for MMA. Not jiu-jitsu as in the, the traditional sense, more jiu-jitsu for MMA. She's very sort of dangerous, um, you know, on the ground, off the back, in that kind of position. And then obviously we've got Sarah McMahon, you know, being, you know, an ex-Olympic wrestler. I'm sure she was at the Olympics, so she was definitely in the mm-hmm. squad. Um, so Sarah McMahon being the wrestler, Junior Penny being the jiu-jitsu-based um, fighter, um, which is always interesting. So you kind of, you know, will Sarah think that her top game of wrestling will be better than, you know, Juliana Pena's jiu-jitsu? Or do you think that they'll both just end up standing and trading on the feet, which is what happens when, you know, sort of two grapplers face each other? So that's going to be an interesting one as well. And obviously a big fight for the division as well, both ranked, you know, seven and nine, both inside the top 10. Um, And I'm I'm guessing both of them want to push forward for, for the title fight as well eventually. I mean, when you get grappler versus grappler, it makes a lot more sense to have that sort of striking match in itself, as much as it makes people cringe to when some people do it. Because again, it's it's one of those things that when you know full well, grappling starts from the feet. Yep. And if you're having to shoot out of desperation or reaction or even with MMA grappling, it becomes a different thing in itself. Because if we're just standard wrestling, I'm not worried about strikes. I'm trying to get position, trying to do this and the other. But the strike being able to set that up and either deter you from shooting or applying your sort of style, it's much easier for me to apply my ground on you if you're shooting from a mile out. I've already sprawled on you and I'm behind you, hitting you in the back of the head from turtle, probably not behind the head because you don't get stopped, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so it's more the idea that this application is where the real art in that is. And yes. to sort of see it. I mean, this is what people see, like, you know, Ben Asker and Damien Meyer having a kickboxing match. What the fuck was that? <laughs> The spinning back fist, you know, that's still recovering from now, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> so let's just go straight for the juggler. So McGregor coming back, the man himself, the the king of all the casuals, everything else. Initial thoughts on this matchup full stop, predictions for the fight, any sort of topics you want well, to If you're going to go with Mystic Mac, it's going to be a 60 second KO. You know, inside one minute KO, just like the first fight. Um, I personally don't think it's going to be a 60-second KO. Um, I do still think McGregor's going to win the fight. I do think it will be by KO or TKO. Uh, I have a feeling more second to third round. Um, But that's just me being a bit of a McGregor fanboy, obviously. Um, And I just just like, I like everything McGregor's saying at the minute. Um, I like what his camp's saying. Um, I like the way he's looking, not in a no homo kind of way, but he's fucking solid. The guy's oh, jacked. Really? He's just so fit. Like, he's so hot. <laughs> sort of, no homo, what? but yeah, he's like... No, he's... I'm not flash. He looks big. He looks good. But he's camp saying that he's at the right kind of weight. There won't be too much of a weight cut um, for him to make the 155... Uh, limit or 156 limit. Um, it's not a title fight, which is a strange, strange one. But that kind of gives me a feeling that Khabib's not fully finished yet. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like McGregor in this. Don't get me wrong, Justin Poirier is an absolute warrior. The guy can fight. You know, you can't take that away from him. He's, he's definitely one of the best in the world right now at lightweight. But that's what makes it so good. McGregor's, you know, he's had, what, one fight in the last two years, maybe. Um, 
he didn't fight. He obviously fought only once last year. Um, he didn't fight much in 2019. Not really had a few, you know, out of the cage problems and bits and bobs. Um, so, you know, him coming back and saying that he's going to finish Dustin. Um, and I just love this about McGregor that when he comes back, he doesn't come back and, you know, he doesn't have a warm-up fight. He doesn't want a warm-up fight. You know, he, he comes back and he, he fights, you know, the best people out there that's going to be the best fight for him. And, and Justin Poirier, you know, he's just coming off off a great win against Max Holloway. And did he? who did he fight last? He beat Dan Hooker. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, fucking war. Fight of the year sort of like nomination against Dan Hooker. Um, so you know, you know, you, Justin Poirier is fighting, firing on all cylinders. McGregor's going to come back. It's going to be, a, it's going to be an absolute great fight. I do hope that it, it isn't a, a one minute, you know, knockout because I'm going to have to pay for this. Um, so I would like to see a bit of action. Uh, but no, I think it's a great fight. And I think it's great for the UFC as well. And getting McGregor back in there is just great for for, for all of MMA. You know, the, the the diehard fans and the casual fans. So I agree with all of that to an extent. So yeah. regards of it not being for a title, I think that's spot on still. I think that gives a lot more value to the title itself, that it gives a bit of power back to the UFC, the fact that McGregor is willing to fight for a non-title bout. Obviously the Cowboy fight in itself wouldn't have been for a title because it was at 170, wasn't it, I think? Yeah. Even, yeah. That, even that in itself, it's more not setting the stool as such, but more, okay, this is where it's at. You've got to earn this again. I like to see that a lot. Um, obviously, you see the size and development of McGregor as a whole. Again, social media caveat a lot of things with that in itself. Awesome. Um, where I feel this might end up going, unfortunately, is going to be either a Cowboys or anything where the build-up, the leading fights, they're always really fucking spot on. Looks great, looks best you've ever seen them. But when it comes to the moment itself, the title fight, the big money fight, maybe Dustin has a similar result to Khabib where he just sort of doesn't show up. He sort of I don't know, gets caught early or something happens again. One of those sort of things where I thought a destined for interim sort of thing, like just so close, but yes. self-sabotage or something else. And he just gets up, he's stopped by McGregor who thrives in the spotlight. Or the corner Nate Diaz won where McGregor goes, balls to the wolf, expecting that kind of finish, gasses himself out. Again, without the crowd, without having, I don't know, even a different climate. And again, if this sort of potential jet lag, that kind of little things like again, going balls to the early days and then just getting stopped, getting caught with something silly in itself. Maybe it's the first time we've seen Gregor get KO'd. You, you don't know with these things. And this is kind of what I'm not hoping for, but kind of anticipating. Yeah. Because again, if Poirier shows up or I don't know, more accurately, Connor tries too hard to show up because of the nature of the event in itself, this might be his undoing. And then it becomes more of a, I don't know, a more authentic title sort of conversation with the lightweight division opposed to someone who's in their caliber, yes, but more held in there for star power. I mean, this is mm. kind of weird because, again, McGregor's definitely earned his seat at the table. There's no two questions about that. But again, retaining that seat has definitely been helped by star power because there are people who have lost that sort of spot. And then, you know, who the fuck are they now? Like, <laughs> Tony Ferguson isn't funny when he's not doing well. It's gets quite sad at this point. So it's these sort of conversations that whilst he's whilst he's doing well, everything looks great. So, so I'm thinking either Connor gets a finish within the first two minutes, 
or right. gets caught end of the second. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. I I personally don't think <clears throat> McGregor would let what happened in the first Diaz fight happen again. I think McGregor's um, obviously one of Kavanaugh's biggest quotes is you either win or you learn. And I, I do think that McGregor works well within that. You know, he either wins or he learns, you know. Um, with the first Diaz fight, he said himself, you know, he went out there, he thought he could just knock him out. You know, he knocks everybody out with that fucking, you know, bullet of a left hand of his. You know, he didn't really accommodate for the size difference. He didn't really accommodate for the fact that Nate Diaz has got a granite chin and he's just fucking tough as nails. And it all, all come down to that. And, you know, he tried too hard to knock him out and make a big splash. I personally don't think he'll make the same mistake twice. Um, especially not when it's such a big comeback fight and there's so many eyes on him, not just because he's Conor McGregor and because he is who he is, but just because, you know, he's been out for a while and he's had this trouble outside the UFC. And now he's saying that, you know, he wants to make a legitimate run for the lightweight title, whether Khabib's there or not. You know, he wants to make this run. He wants to do what he did at featherweight, which is beat everybody up to the title and then beat the actual proper champion, you know, the way he did sort of thing. Um, so because he's saying all this and because, you know, the way Cam John Kavanagh is and the way McGregor is, you either win or you learn. I don't think he'll make that same mistake again with, with Dustin Poirier. I mean, this is the nature in itself to general evolution. Because again, that McGregor was four years ago now, five years ago. And again, it's, it's how much he matures as a whole. It might be a different variant. But again, it's the more the premise of trying to get that finish, trying not to, I don't know. Again, the, even the flashy style of such, you're not seeing the same kind of hook kicks anymore. You're seeing looping shots still. You're seeing a lot of straight shots. But again, it's a lot less emphasis on the sort of, I don't know, the wheels kicks. Again, it's it's more compact. He's fighting like a 155, uh, a bit more solid, a bit more based out. Not so much like a... He's not fighting like a lighter guy, if you see what I mean. He's fighting yeah, yeah. a bit more, again, a, a balanced sort of style. So it depends on how he sort of plays it out. So interesting. Using how... better. Pardon? He's definitely using his energy better with mm. the way that like, you're talking with the styles and stuff like that. When you're down at featherweight, like you said, you threw the big spin kicks and stuff to start the match and, you know, a, a bit more jumping sort of knees and bits and bobs like that there. Now he's been a little bit more controlled. Um, a little bit more compact, like you just said, and, and using his energy systems a little bit better for, for now. He's got the size and, and, and obviously he's got, he needs the energy a little bit more to feed the, the, the more muscular structure he's got. 100%. Now we'll leave that there for everyone listening. But before we go, if there's any topics you want to talk about, any sort of predictions you've got, again, anything, visit the Cuts underscore podcast and Carsten, you've got a question. Yeah, I, I have one topic I want to cover that was mentioned this uh, in, in when you when you posted up that we were going to do another podcast about pride. Come on, explain yourself. If anybody that hasn't seen this yet, um, basically somebody says um, talking about topics and, and 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 different things to talk about. Somebody says, "Oh, mention pride for all the diehard people and 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 you know that sort of thing." And Dan was like, "Yeah, I think I think pride was overrated." So I would like you to explain yourself to our uh, viewers right now. I just wanted to you know, watch the world burn <laughs> a little bit because this is kind of the thing. When you've got a podcast with people who give a shit about MMA and obviously their origin, not to the casuals, 
you know how much they suck off pride and <laughs> it's one of these like i like it in itself and genuinely i like it but again regards of people were holding it in this sort of you know god tier oh my god it was its own sort of thing i mean yeah it's part of the evolution yeah it was historical and you got to give it respect definitely but you know i don't watch replays every day and you know <laughs> everyone's like oh my god crow cop is sat in heaven fade i thinking, yeah kind of moved on a little bit from that really <laughs> i mean ultimately as much as like i'm not overly against it as such i just wanted to see people's reaction and i've got a reaction i love it i've got my bites i've got my bites i'm happy you definitely have it if that's what you were playing at you definitely worked it was great <laughs> you've got to have some fun everyone you've got to live your life thank you for your time carson again everyone wants to get in touch with us fisticuffs underscore podcast or carson lenjoir on socials thank you and good night